Welcome back, guys. Uh, continuing our uh, kind of mini-series, if you will, about uh, hearing the voice of God. Um, and also just talking about, kind of, Dave, we'll jump right into it, but, you know, what if I'm the kind of person that says, hey, you know, I, I'm hearing voices in my head, um, and I don't really know why. Uh, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they're irrational, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, what what would you say to somebody like that? You know. Yeah, man, that's that's a. I've had numerous. I've had people come up to me um, and say the same thing. Um, they've they've said that and they're like, hey, I've got some, I've got some voices going on in my head, and they tell me to do some some crazy things. Mm. Um, I, th I think you and I were talking about this the other day, and we were just having some conversations about this. And I, it, it's uh, one of the biggest things I, I realized with that is, and you, you even mentioned this with how you approach people that have talked to you about that is how what is what are those voices telling me? If there's a voice in my head, and for me personally, if a voice is in my head and it's telling me to do something that is to harm myself, hurt myself, hurt somebody, or um, is not um, building up in a sense of like it's a loving, good thing to do. It's probably not a good, good thing. Right. Right. Um, so you know, some people will say, "Well, I can't. I just can't stop getting those voices out of my head." And I think that like that's a that's something to really to really think about and I, and for me I've noticed that the time that those type of voices creep into my head is uh, when I'm not around things that are uh, that are of good spiritual nature really of God mm. you know, I say good, a good spiritual spiritual nature but that really the, the less I'm away from the Holy Spirit or the things that should be of God that's when those difficulties uh, run in, uh, into me, or those voices run into me, versus the, the times um, when, when I'm, if I'm around sin, and I'm around in, in dark places, and that, that's when those voices start creeping in, because I'm not combating it with, with the good. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, it's interesting too, because I feel like a lot of times, uh, experiences can cause those kind of, you know, voices, if you will, right? So, um, you know, for our military listeners, maybe you've been through a traumatic uh, experience in war. You know, maybe you've experienced uh, familial uh, difficulties. Maybe you've experienced, you know, a rough divorce. Um, you know, again, fa family troubles or lost loved ones you know and because of those experiences now you hear or what you think you feel you hear is you know somebody condemning you for what happened or telling you that you know you shouldn't be here it should have been you that was taken or you're the reason that this happened you know and, and i want to bring up a, a thought here um 
something Pastor Mark Driscoll says is that, you know, whatever God creates, Satan will counterfeit. And I really like that specific uh, saying. And it makes me think of, you know, kind of like when you hold up a, a dollar bill or when you hold up a, a counterfeit bill, if you will. And when you hold it and you feel it, you know, it, oftentimes it's like, oh, yeah, that feels like a bill. You know, and you look at it and it generally has the right, you know, uh, appearance. But it's not until you lift it up to the light and you let the light shine through that you can see the discrepancies, that you can see the things that are incorrect. You can see the things that, weren't, that don't align with what is correct. And I think a lot of times, if we're hearing these voices, right, if we're hearing things that we don't think are necessarily natural or normal, or maybe we do think they're natural and normal, one of the things that we have to do as believers in Jesus is we have to go back to the scripture and we have to say, does this align with what God wants for me? Does this make sense according to his word? Because what's going to happen is you're going to have things that are going to happen to you and you're going to think, oh, this is just normal. This is just, this is the way it is, you know. Um, but what I think is that Satan is taking something in your life and he's counterfeiting it to make you believe that it's truth, to make you believe that you're the problem, to make you believe that this is your fault, to make you believe that you should have been taken or, or you know, killed instead of that other individual. That's counterfeiting. The truth is, right, is that God still has you and you still have purpose. You're still here for a reason. You know, that, you know, whether it be family issue or marital problem or whatever it is, that's not, that's not necessarily your fault. This may just be, have been a stepping stone in the process of getting you to be sanctified or, you know, for, for a, a different way of saying it, to getting to you to a place of surrender to Jesus. And so... One of the things that I think of when I think of this is I, I go back to John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, the, the, uh, the title there is, I am the good shepherd. And, um, and it says this, I want to read it to you because I think it, it's really good. This is verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 10, and this is uh, verse 3 through 6. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow, follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will not, will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so, to me, when I hear that, is like, we as believers need to, so continuing our series here, is we need to go back to the basics, which is having that secret place, or that hiding place, if you will, daily, so that we can discern and hear the voice of God, so that we don't get led astray by the counterfeit, those, those other voices that we know aren't healthy, but they're still there. And so, I guess my question to you, Dave, is can you kind of talk us through your thoughts on, you know, you were describing, you know, 
how you interpret being led astray and what that kind of looks like. And can you kind of kind of walk us through through what you what you were thinking when you were talking about that? Yeah, man. Um, it can be. This this comes more recent. Of uh, recently, I've been really struggling with um, approach. I've been I've been approached numerous times on just different views of how uh, how Christianity should be looked out uh, today. You know, in, in mm. our lifetime. Uh, growing up. I've had uh, I've had family members or people that I've known that um, would have fa- fallen into the category of maybe a Pentecostal background uh, to also being around people uh, to this day that I would even consider like okay they come from they come from a Pentecostal background all the way to the a very conservative side of maybe a reformed background um, and if, you know for our listeners. Really, this is just you know denom- talking about the denominations of and levels of of where pe- how people believe in like the theology. Mm. But where denominations come from is basically where somebody came in a disagreement of some type of of some type of belief within their uh, within their belief system. All right, they didn't they. It disagreed on some principle or some matter of, of, of the or idea within the scope of what they were believing. And so ultimately, you have more divisions that happen within there. So within Pentecostal, even more recently, been, there's some definitely different levels. We're not going to get really into that, but growing up, growing up, all I remember was, okay, hey, you have Pentecostal Baptist, you have uh, maybe Reform, do you have a few others? And that was it, you know, Lutheran. Um, it, it wasn't Methodist. That was for reason. Now you've got levels in within that, and you have different um, sects within that, you know. Right. And so, which, which, for me, it got to a point where I'm going like, you know, somebody says, "Well, I'm Baptist," but then now you got people going, well, "Are you Southern Baptist? Or are you Reformed Baptist? Right. Or this?" And I'm going, "Man, this is kind of crazy when." You get to down this point where you go. I would probably say I line up with somebody's of God. Well, oh, so you're saying you're Pentecostal? Oh my, what in the world? And so I've been wrapped around this whole idea of going. So what does it truly mean? And what is this? Te- what's the teaching that really got it? Mm. You know, what Jesus was teaching back in the early church. What was he really trying to get after? And what should I be concerned about? Mm. You know, he there was there's often you know Paul warned against it, and even Jesus warned against it as well. But talking about false teachers, but it even got into a point where it's talking about false teachers, false prophets, um, where Jesus was considered a false teacher by the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. Right. So it gets to a point where you're going with instructional differences of the uh, or organizational differences. When organizations try to put a box on Christianity and put a box on Jesus, that's where that problem. Where some aspects, I'm starting to realize, like it, when the merging of the two is where the, the problem has started to exist. Where it's been, where it's been a let's take what has been the church structure we've known for years. Pharisees had it, uh, or the Sanhedrin had it, um, Jewish culture had it. Let's merge that with what now is with Jesus, and let's. Let's bring all this political. Let's bring this into the fold, 
And what it's done is it's just muddied the waters. And, mm. But it's also made it difficult to really truly understand. That might be another conversation for another day, but that's what's been going on in my head is this difficulty of like, well, what's really, tr what's really true? What am I, what is it that God's really trying to reveal? So it's really great. I'm, I'm grateful that you brought up John, John 10, um, where he talks about the good shepherd, because I think that's something really to think of like, what is God's voice to us? Mm. And like you said, getting back to how do I, where do I hear his voice? How do I hear his voice? And what, what does that, what does that mean? Um, something that comes to mind, and I, I want to bring this, I'm going to pass it back to you, man, is I have, I was thinking about when I had my, when I had my kids, you know, when my kids were first born, and how, how important it was for me to talk to my kids. Even when they were in the womb, with my, you know, I talked to my wife, and they, they, you know, they say that sometimes they can hear while they can hear your voice in the womb. But when they out, immediately we're talking to our kids. We're holding our, our young babies, infant babies, and we're talking to them. And, and as they get older, they don't look anywhere else and go, "Well, your daddy, that's person." That they know who who's their parents mm -hmm. are because they hear their voice. That's they right. they know, right? And I look at that from right now, but I also look at, at how it is even with my with my own father. Um, you know, my own earthly father is that I can have, I can be in a crowd of people and I, if I hear his voice, I immediately go and like, I can't turn, I'll turn my head and I know, you hey, know. that's my dad. Right. Where, where, where's, where's that voice coming from? And it's, it's very distinct. Hmm. You know the cadence of the, their voice. You know how it's going to be. You know how the steps, you know how they walk. Like my kids know, I, they know how I walk down the hallway. They know if it's dad or mom. Like they know those things, yeah. right? And so I say that is because what, I, what I'm starting to realize is that's how I got to view it when I'm looking at scripture. And even when I'm listening, if I'm listening to people or if I'm listening to like, a, uh, if I'm watching a YouTube video of somebody preaching or if I'm hearing somebody talk or if I'm out in public and I'm hearing somebody talk, is I got to look and hear for, I got to look to see what God's voice is through that. Mm. And what is God's holy, you know, His Holy Spirit? What's His voice, really? Well, from we talked about this before, it should be the fruits of the Spirit. I should see love. I should see joy. I should see peace. I should see all this, the goodness out of it. It shouldn't be divisive. Now, there is going to be some things that are divisive in nature due of the gospel. The gospel is, it can be divisive in the sense of it's going to call you to, to action. But something I, I mentioned to you, and, I'm a, and I want you to take this, is that there is a difference between conviction and condemning. And when, if the gospel is coming across as condemning, it's sinful. That's sin. That's sin. Yeah. If we are preaching the gospel... Because the, the, the heart of that being pride, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. But if it's convicting, if it comes across as a, in a convicting way, it's not, it's not sin. Somebody might be caught up in sin and then feel like that, but it's not sin. But we, as people, if we are teaching, it can be, and, and we get into that, uh, and it, it and it's coming across condemning. And somebody says, "Why are you condemning me?" Then we might have a very, we might have a very big concern there. Especially, okay, well, it's easy for us to say, "Well, that's your heart, that's your problem, blah blah blah," and, and we're passing, we're passing the buck that is there something wrong with us. But again, going back to the secret place, going back into understanding 
the voice, it's so important to know that and understand that. Exactly, exactly. And what's interesting that you said there is, I think there's levels. Maybe that's not the right word, but I think you'll know what I mean. I think there's levels to understanding the secret place and the hiding place. Because the more and more we spend time with the Lord in prayer and listening to His Word and letting His Holy, uh, I'm sorry, His, the Word of God, you know, kind of saturate our minds. You know, I think about that verse that talks about the renewing of your mind. Uh, where you're constantly having His Word in, in, your, in your brain, I think things will continue to grow. And what I mean by that is, you know, you'll hear people say, it's kind of like Christianese, but they're like, you know, walk with the Spirit. Or, you know, I think what they're talking about really deeply is getting to a place where, you know, you hear that... Think about the verse that says, pray, with all, uh, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And anytime that the Bible says, this is God's will for you, is my, I get my ears to perk up now, right? Because that's literally what God has called me to do. There's no, I don't have to, I don't have to interpret that scripture. Like I just get to read it and know that that's what he wants me to do. So I'm supposed to pray in all things, um, pray without ceasing and give thanks in all things. And so I think when they say, you know, or I think when we're talking about kind of uh, increasing those levels of, of uh, the secret place, if you will, you, you are starting to understand that you can be, invite Christ to be a part of each and every day in each and every moment. You know, Something you and I talked about the other day, and I want to briefly bring this up. Um, I don't want to get too off topic, but I think it's worth bringing up here is, you know, there's a topic amongst, uh, you know, Christianity talking about Calvinism and Arminianism, and just kind of talking about, well, if I've been given free will, then does God really have complete sovereignty? And if God is completely in control, do my decisions even matter, right? And so that's kind of a dumbed-down version of kind of the debate, if you will. But I want to tie this into to kind of talking about the secret place. I, I think one of the main things we have to remember is that we as human beings, the difference between us and between animals and all these other things, right, is that we were given free will. We were given the ability to choose, and that's the, the gift of being human, is that we get to choose Christ or we can reject Christ. And each and every decision we make is either for Christ or really contrary. And so when I'm, if I'm an individual and I'm hearing these voices and I'm hearing things and I'm having a hard time discerning what is good and what is wrong, Remember that you, as a, as, a, as a human being, were created by God, and the gift of, of being human is that you get to choose. And when we pray for, you ask the Lord for His gift of wisdom and discernment and the ability to make great decisions. And so when you hear these voices, He's going to teach you how to choose that which is accepting Him. And you're going to start to reject those things that are not accepting Him and moving closer to Him. So on one end of the conversation, we have complete 
free will as human beings. And we have to know and learn to hear his voice so that we can make those decisions and ask for his guidance. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit to come, you know, in, in the scripture talks about quicken the spirit, right? To help us quickly understand and renew our minds to make great decisions. So that's the human aspect. The God aspect is this, and this again, this is just my opinion. God is sovereignty. God is completely in control. You know, in, uh, in some of the military selection processes, there are certain, um, you know, standards or uh, physical uh, gates, if you will, and things where you're asked to do certain tasks, but you don't know what the standards are. You don't know what's tall enough to ride the ride. You know what I mean? You don't know what the goal is or what you're supposed to hold. And to me, the reason I bring this up is because I feel like there are certain things with God because he's so much more than we could fathom or grasp. There are certain things that we just don't know. There are certain standards that we're just, you know what? I'm going to leave that to him because he's in control. And so maybe there are some voices in your head that you think, man, I just, I really don't know. I really don't know where to go with this. I don't know if there's an answer for me. I don't know if, am I going to deal with this for my whole life? And I think it's, one of those things of, again, we come to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I don't have it. I don't, I don't know it all. And I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need your help. And I'm going to submit this to you because you are sovereign. And you are in control. And so here, this is for you. And I'm asking you to help me with this. Because I think a lot of times what, what we can get to is we get, we get to these certain, you know, whether it's a voice in your head or uh, uh, something you can't grasp or maybe something in scripture that doesn't make sense to you. And this is something that pulls us away, right? Because we're like, well, I want all the answers and I don't have them, so I'm out. And I would just say that there are certain things that, that God is, he is in control and he's got, and we don't even have to worry about it. We can let that go. And so I don't necessarily know if that answers your convicting versus condemning piece, but that was on my mind and I wanted, I wanted to talk about it. And um, I, I think in regards to the con- convicting, condemning piece, I wanted to kind of briefly go over uh, Matthew chapter 4 um, together. Um, and I'll read it, and then I want you to kind of uh, start us off as to what you were thinking. But So Matthew chapter 4 is Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, right? In the very beginning it says, uh, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I want to stop right there really quick because this ties into what we were just talking about, the convicting versus condemning a little bit. It's interesting to me that the Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And it's interesting because the Spirit pushed him to the wilderness. This is just how I process this piece of Scripture. Pushed him to this to the, the wilderness to be tempted because Jesus needed to go through this in order for his faith to be increased, for his strength to be increased. And I think a lot of times we ask ourselves, man, why am I experiencing things? Why am I going through certain things? And we see it as, man, I'm being knocked back. Where it may be that Jesus, that, that the Holy Spirit is using you to propel you forward and to push you through a trial so that 
you can, what does it say in James 1? It says so that you can be complete, right? And, and lacking in nothing, right? It's, but you have to get through those trials. Um, and so, all that to say that Jesus is being tempted here. And so I wanted you to kind of kind of talk us through kind of what your thoughts were and what you were thinking. Because I know you had some really good thoughts on this. Yeah, so with Matthew, in Matthew, uh, and he's talking about the temptation in Jesus. One of the things that we, you and I were in conversation about this was that he, how easy it was where when you're talking about how the, the voice the voices that you make here might be counterfeit, or the, the phrases or the things that are said might be twisted or changed, right? So to make some significance of that um, and bring that up a little bit more, from the very first one, where it goes from in Matthew 4, uh, uh, verse 3, and then 4, I'll read that real quick. He goes, And the tempter came to, and said to him, so he's talking about Satan, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But then he answered, he meaning Jesus, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Mm. And then I want to continue to go through, and then I'm going to come back to this. He goes, in verse 5, says, then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, mm. and on their hands they will bear you up bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Mm. So, those two right there, and then we're going to the, we're gonna go to the third time when he gets tempted, right? So the first one, um, he just makes a statement. See, he makes a statement about, about him, right? And he goes, uh, hey, just do this. Do a miracle. Just do, do, do something. And then Jesus comes back with Scripture. And then the next thing you know, what happens? Satan comes back with Scripture. Mm. Right, so Satan now comes and goes. Let me twist. Let me twist scripture, just slightly, and let me come back with that to tempt you. Right. So he does that, right? But then Jesus says, "Well, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test." Mm -hmm. So right there, he goes right back and goes, "Hold on, let's have this conversation. Like, let's, let me put you back in your place of where you now want to put. Uh, you now want to put me to the test." You, you even got to a point where now you want to twist my words. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and then he goes again, the devil took him up to a high, very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. Mm -hmm. um, something like you said, that there was a varying level of testing. And yeah. a varying, uh, there was a, a tiered level of progression of what he was doing in those moments. And like you said, if we're not facing trials, and if we... I think oftentimes when we get we get into facing trials and when we get into hearing voices, so going back to that, going to hearing voices, if we can look at it that way when we're hearing those voices, that these these are tiered progressions, I think that's what 
definitely one thing if we can identify that, that's one way that we can actually get after. But what I think is, what I think is really significant, and about this piece of scripture, and that's what you and I were both talking about, was the importance of the word of God in that in that moment. Hmm. Um, the true word of God, but then also knowing the authority within the word of God, hmm. because the first part of it was, like I was telling you, is that. Jesus, you know, he makes a statement. He, he's acting out, and he's like, "Well, if you have this, do this." And he, and he, he's already been given power. The second time, it's he comes back with scripture, and he goes, "Well, the scripture says that you're going to give." So I say that is because in more recent times, uh, today we have stuff, we have things called like the dominionship or dominionism. Uh, you have uh, some people uh, will talk about uh, some other uh, levels of. But what they're talking about is like the authority. Like, hey, we're giving all power and authority over earth because this is what we're giving. That's not what he was talking about. That's not what he's talking about here. Um, we are giving a power and authority to do to do things. Um, but it's very easy to twist the word. It's really easy to twist the word. And he comes back and he says, Hey, just don't don't put it don't put me to the test. He's like, Don't put you know, Lord your God to the test. But then it goes to the th to the third extreme, and I think that's where we have to we have to understand is that if those voices in your head are telling you um, to put something else before God and putting it before. And again, that's this is us now. Most of us as Christians now, for a non-Christian, they may look at it and go, "Well, these voices are just in my head," and they're telling. Yeah. The thing is, is like if it's telling you not to do something that is of good and of, of truth and that is loving, that's that's what God wants for you. That's what He wants, and so, and that's what all is holy and what should you and how it should be and how God should be worshipped, right? So if it's going against that, if it's going against those those things, then it's truly not it's truly not God. And what that hap what happens is like that's very end where He goes. You know, it says that you should only worship you know, the Lord your God. It goes back to the very beginning of Scripture. And, you know, it'll be something that we'll probably talk in the next episode. But getting back to our first, like, getting back to your first love. Getting back to what it is at the very beginning. Because what's, what's funny about all of this, and when we look at that, is he goes back to the very first thing that's in the Ten Commandments. He goes, it's like, you know, <laughs> and he starts talking about it. Going like, look. Love the Lord your God. <laughs> like this is this is it. You know, we should have no other gods before me. Like that was the very first thing he's talking. So it's this is what he's talking about. Like, hey, if you put this first, you don't put anything else in front, you will be good. So that was just kind of some of my thoughts on on that. Um, without going out into too much of a rabbit trail, but it's understanding that the word of God is so important to understand. But it's What's even further to understand is that we can't put anything else before that. We can't put our selfish ambition of saying that we have the authority and the power of of God, because if we put that before, if we put the cart before the horse, there's a problem. And that's what we're doing sometimes. Is that I think we put like, oh, God's gonna give me authority to do, uh, I'm doing miracles. God's giving me the authority to do miracles. Instead of looking and saying, well, ultimately the reason why all this happened is to give glory to God, because God, that God is all that matters, not the the other things that are going on, and that's what he was trying to show at that, that moment. It was like miracles, okay, whatever. Um, authority, yeah, 
No, the, the ultimate is that I'm supposed is is the is the love God. So, yeah. Yeah, I just want to say two quick things. Um, one, I find it interesting that one of the things I think we gloss over about this specific chapter or uh, portion of the scripture rather is that Satan's goal here. I think is submission of authority. He wants to see Jesus submit to him. Because really, when you think about this, in verse 3, it says, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Well, we forget that Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. So to say he was hungry is, you know, an understatement. Now, do we think it would have necessarily been sin for Jesus to turn some stones into bread for himself? No. I don't think so. In fact, it might even some would say that's a miracle. But it was Satan's goal to get him to submit to his authority. And it's interesting because what does he do? He and that's at the small level. And then like he said, then there's levels. And he says, "Well, look at all this stuff that I have. Look, I'll take you up top. You can see I'll give it to you all. I've got the authority. Look at me." Right? So Satan now he's got to boast himself. He now he's got to build himself up to make Jesus to hopefully get Jesus to say, "Oh yeah, maybe you do have it all." So that he can submit to, you know, Satan's goal is to get him to submit. And I think it's something for our listeners, specifically for maybe some of our newer, uh, newer listeners, is there may be some things in your life that you may not even have realized that you've submitted to. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's, you know, you being deceitful in the workplace. Some things that you've legitimately become... Uh, you've submitted yourself to that maybe you're now realizing, maybe even in this moment, that that's not something that God wants you to do anymore. And see, that right there is, is you, you're at the precipice of understanding Christianity and forgiveness because true reconciliation is turning 180 degrees from whatever it is that you were doing in life and turning and walking in, you know, quote-unquote, righteousness and in the Spirit and understanding that God calls you to be as close to the pure spotless lamb as humanly possible. And so I just want I wanted to bring that up because I think that's something we gloss over sometimes is that Satan's goal really was the submission because he wants to be in control, right? Um, so that being the first thing. The second thing is this. You know, if, if you're a... If you're listening to our podcast and you're saying, you know, Dave Ashton, that's all really great, but like I don't even really know where to begin with the secret place. I really don't even know where to begin. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with a cliffhanger because that's gonna be something we address on our our next episode. But I want to leave you with this. There's a song called "Talking to Jesus" by Brandon Lake, and it's sung with Elevation Worship. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. Um, but I want you to go go onto YouTube. I want you to look up that that video. Yes, with Mavericks to you. Thank you. I want you to go on there and I want you to listen to that song. Um, because it's literally as simple as that. It's you're just talking to Jesus and you're just talking to your Father.